0: disintegrating hey expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach.
1: i got to ask you this out there, Christian America.
0: It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeier.
1: Hey, well, I'm spiritually wound tight this morning. Is that okay to say that, spiritually wound tight? I really, really am. i got some great, great stuff, as always. Uh, I say that a lot, don't I? I'm, I I just got to be honest. That sounds awful, too, because that means like I'm lying other times. The truth is, if I wasn't hosting this show, I'd be here every day. The stuff that, that in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. And I, myself, me, myself, and I are so fed up with the falsehoods, the avoidance of truth, the the uh, turning the other way from our men who stand in the pulpits. I, I, I can't even I can't hardly take it. You know, the Bible tells us that our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And why is it? How have we how have we positioned ourselves that from a spiritual standpoint, most of us, the only knowledge we ever gain is what the guy standing in the pulpit decides he's gonna service up that day? He determines what we eat, and if he doesn't want to go try some new exotic food, we never get a chance. Well, I don't, I don't believe in eating that food. And he doesn't believe in eating that food, and so therefore, he doesn't ever cook it, or he doesn't like the taste of that food, and so he doesn't really ever cook it for anybody else. And the truth is, all of us, including me, I've, I've said this. A, Many, many times, the Lord has gifted me as a communicator. I'm not bragging. I understand my gift. And I know that I could take this gift that I have, and I could go out and be a motivational speaker, and I could blow smoke up people's hinds in, hind in every night somewhere in America. If I want to go around and I want to talk about happy, slappy, 2 face and make everybody feel happy, my speaking schedule would be 18 months long. I'm, I'm, I'm never. I'm never going to do that. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I don't understand why anybody gets joy, real deep joy, out of tickling people's ears. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know what pumps me up? Here's what pumps me up. I got an email yesterday, a text message from Pastor Clint Harper. I, 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 you guys know who Pastor Clint Harper is? I don't even know if he's listening today. It doesn't matter. Pastor, Pastor Clint Harper, who um, was fighting against the Guidestones before the Guidestones came down, right? Being ridiculed in his community and all that stuff. Took his church and held uh, held church service outside the Guidestones before they came down. Pastor Clint texted me last night and says, Coach, well, I, Clint, I know you wouldn't care if I shared it. Here's what he said. This, this, is, this is what... This is the kind of stuff that blesses me. Let I me mean, hang on with it here, find it. I got so many text messages here. Uh he said, I'm gonna to have to just make it up because I can't find it. Where is it? Where you say, Coach, if you oh, there it is. Listen to this. He said, Coach, we had some people from our church go to the Franklin County Commissioner meeting tonight. Now, Franklin County Commissioner meeting is where the guidestones are, right? Those are the guys who determine what. That's where Clint's gone, and that then they won't let him speak anymore, right? And he said, again, some of our people went to the Franklin County Commissioner meeting tonight, and I didn't even know they were going. I can't express how I feel right now. It's beyond awesome. Because see, that is is the outgrowth of, of true, what's the word I'm looking for? That is the outgrowth of real salt. When Pastor Clint, the Bible, John 10, pull it up there real quick for me. Boy, the Holy Spirit just jumped on my shoulders. John 10. John 10. Very, verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door is the sheep, will climb up some way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter open, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. If you are involved in a church where the pastor is leading you in rather than leading you out, you need to take a serious evaluation of your church. Amen. The Bible says that the true shepherd leads them out.
0: Ooh.
1: Clint Harper says, I didn't take them. They went on their own. I took them the first time, and now they went on their own. And we're in the mess that we're in because the men standing in the pulpit and the women standing in the pulpit don't lead anybody out. Now stop right now. Right now. Hang on. For the pastors that are listening, I don't know who many that would be or the pastors who may hear this. You can prove me wrong by just taking this right here, this little piece of paper and a pencil and writing down when you last led your people out. Go ahead and write it down. You can do it right now, pastors. Write it down. You say, well... Uh, gee, coach, we did we handed out uh, uh, we handed out Christmas gifts, Christmas child gifts. Okay, how many months ago would that have been? How many would that have been? When? And it would be like me coming to you guys and saying, Boy, I'm the greatest offensive coordinator in the history of football. Offense means we have the ball. And you said, Really, coach, what were the scores of your last games? And I said, Well, uh, Zero, 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 zero. We haven't scored a touchdown in a while. But, boy, our players sure know about scoring touchdowns. They sure can talk about them. but They haven't put any points on the board. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith. And I, part of our problem is I don't know if we have an urgency. I, look, I don't know what brings you people here every day. I, I'm glad you come. I'm glad you come. We don't, we don't have an urgency. If we're sitting there right now and we're making uh, – so you have to plan short-term and long-term. When I, when I was coaching football, we had a game plan. When I went into the game, I had a long-term game plan. In fact, you've seen those football coaches standing on the sidelines. Let, let me see how I can do this. And all of a sudden, they'll hold up this form, and they'll be talking, on, they'll, they'll be talking like this, and they'll be blocking their mouth because what they're holding right here is the game plan. So they'll read the game plan, and then they'll call the play. But they do this so that the other team across the way with binoculars or whatever can't see the play, can't see what they're saying. So they got the sheet here, and then they call the play. Well, I always had a sheet of the plays I was going to call, but sometimes I didn't call off the play sheet because things changed. And the play sheet the pastors have been calling off of, hey, dude, throw it away. Throw that away, that best life now, that, that feel-good gospel. Throw that thing away. That gospel that you have of just making people happy and slappy, just throw Just throw that thing away, dude, because the time's coming when they may not even have enough food. The time's coming when they may come hunting them down. The time's coming when they may have to stand up and defend themselves. And if you're still reading off that old play sheet, uh, it's uh, you, time, time to get a new one. It's time to get a new one. So... God bless Pastor Clint. God bless all of you two pastor two pastors out there, two shepherds out there. Um, I'm not a I'm not a nose wiper. I don't know if you guys know this, and I know that she wouldn't care. A couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, I'm sorry, last week, I would I, I jumped all over Rochelle. I didn't really jump all over Rochelle. It wasn't her. But she was the one that was speaking. And I jumped. I jumped in and I, I started acting like me. But then afterwards, I got feeling bad. Oh my goodness! I didn't. I didn't mean to attack Rochelle. I don't. I don't want people to be afraid to share their opinions. I want them to share their opinions. But I know this. My experience has taught me this. If one person's thinking it, then another person's thinking it. Rarely is just one person thinking it. So when she was talking about, I, I, I can't. Remember, it didn't really matter what it was. I jumped right in and went hard at that argument. Not at her. She happened to be the one making the argument or making the statement or whatever. And I, I felt bad about it. But see, there, there there we are again. We're in the heat of the game. We're in the heat of the game. And I got I got to stand up and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And 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 that's what I did. By the way, I called Michelle and apologized to her because I don't ever. I don't ever want to trample on something that you believe that the Holy Spirit has given you, okay? I don't ever want to do that. But at the same time, boys and girls, we are in a paradigm shift in American Christianity. Most of, most of the church around us hasn't understood it yet. This is this is not follow the leader Christianity anymore. This is planting seed Christianity. This is where we get on this show and we plant a seed into Jeff Klein and he goes and plants a crop with it. We plant a seed in Paul Goslin and he goes goes and grows a crop with it. We plant a seed in Randy Lunsford and Randy goes goes and grows a crop with it. It isn't where we all get together and come get together and talk about the great crops we have. This is action Christianity. This is the only type of Christianity that's gonna matter. And so one of the things that we're really fighting is lies and that's what I want to talk about. I want to I'm going to expose some lies to you today, because they really, really matter. And I, I ask myself often, ask myself, how do they get away with it? How do they get away with it? I'm, I'm going to say this. You can do your own research. I don't think we went to the moon. I'm, I'm just sorry. I don't think we ever went to the moon. Why haven't we gone back? I'm sorry. I don't believe those twin towers just fell. Sorry, I don't, I don't believe it. But see, the, in order for us to believe those big lies, there have to be a lot of little small lies that we've believed along the way. And that's been the poisoning of the mind of Christians. The Bible tells us again, Go if you can real quick, go to Jude. Go to Jude for me. Uh, I don't even look. Is it Spencer's one? Yeah, Spencer. Thank you. Go to Jude. And I would like to, hey, hey, go to the Message Bible. Go to the Message Bible. We better take this seriously, friends. We better take this seriously. Verse 2, dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. We all have a life of common salvation, all of us together. We're all in the kingdom of God, supposed to be. We're all, all of us. We all are. We're, we're all in this thing together. We all have different parts and different roles we play but we're all on the same team in the same kingdom. And he said, I have have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish. For what has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. Our scriptures warned us this would happen. Who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of God with sheer license. We talked about that the other day, right? Their licentiousness. My body, my choice, doing whatever you want to. Which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. I've never read that in the message before. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good. And instead of our our pastors and our churches being guardians of the truth, instead of our our pastors understanding that the temperature in the church becomes the temperature in the culture, until they realize that the culture and the church are interconnected, until they realize that the lukewarmness of the church and its unwillingness to turn up the heat on the culture, has given us exactly what we have here today. It's not the Luciferians. It's not the God-haters. It's those of us who are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, have refused to be salt and have refused to shine the light into the darkness. Amen. That's the problem we're dealing with. And for the most part, the pulpits of America do not get it. Don't get it. As I say to you uh, often, that's my great frustration. We should. We. How long did it take? Still, I guess. How long will it take to end the killing of unborn children? You say, "Well, coach, the Supreme Court just ruled that." No, they didn't. No, they didn't. The Supreme Court said now it's up to the states. So if the states vote to kill a baby, they can kill a baby? Is that what you want to tell me? You want me to believe that? The states, the Supreme Court, the right to kill your baby is not an inalienable right. But the states can make it one. Is that is that what I'm supposed to believe? So the battle over the unborn. See, evil men have crept in unawares. Evil men crept in They changed the truth of God into a lie. And the Supreme Court didn't issue a statement saying, listen, we, the Supreme Court of the United States, declare that unborn children are American citizens. They're citizens. They're human beings. We declare they have every right everybody else has. We, the Supreme Court, declare that the killing of an unborn child anywhere in America is murder. Did they say that? No, we'll send it back to the states. And we'll let the states determine whether or not it's murder. That's our job. That's our job. Jesus told us this that you're the soul of the earth and the light of the world. When you go out, you go around, you start going to school board meetings, and you start standing up in your church and challenging your pastor. You start ask, asking these hard questions. When you start turning the heat up and say, hey, dude, hey, Mr. Pastor, uh, hey, bud, hey, sharpen your game, all right, dude? Huh? Turn your game up a little bit here for you, will you? A lot of us out here counting on you. we got a whole culture counting on you, bud. Huh? Will you turn up the heat here a little bit for me? Here's your promise. They're gonna hate you. Jesus has said that, folks. He said, Not only are you gonna be hated, you're gonna be hated of all men, they're gonna hate you. Who? That's Matthew. Is that Matthew 5? Pull it up there. Pull it up there. Pull it up there. Because somebody, these evil men have crept in unaware. They've given us a different gospel. They ain't given you this gospel. They've given you the love, love, tolerate. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. Don't, don't offend anybody. It's a, I'm okay. You're okay. That's the gospel that they've been giving us. Because evil men have crept in unaware, and they say that's how you build a big church, and that's how you get more money coming in, and that's how you expand, and that's how you get out on the name of the out in front of your church. Pastor Gary Jones. Oh Scroll on down, Matthew five. I'm sorry. We're in war. We don't have any wartime pastors. We got drum majors. Oh, that's a good one. We got drum majors. We got guys who wear the big hat and the baton and lead the team out on the field. No, they don't even lead them out on the field, do they? They don't even do that. Go down to about verse 10. Blessed are you, verse 10 Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. When was the last time you were persecuted for righteousness sake? We have pastors who are nervous because some of the people in the church want them to speak against abortion. They're nervous. They don't want to talk about politics. But wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. I've said this before. Number nine, blessed are the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. If you're, you're, hey, folks, your pastor's a peacekeeper. Your pastor's trying to keep everybody happy, everybody on the same page. That's why they can give you those double talk sermons. That when you walk away from it, you say, hey, is he against abortion or is he for abortion? Is he against abortion or is he for a woman's right to choose? Well, he did such a great job with the sermon that you don't even know. Because I want to know whether my pastor's pro-murder or not. And I want to know if the person sitting beside me in my church is pro-baby murder or not. I want to know that. I want them flushed out. I want to know who I'm sitting beside. I want to know who I'm going to war with. The Bible says, can two walk together lest they agree? I don't want to go to church and praise the Lord with some pro Is Am I the only one? Am I, Am I the only one? Is there something seriously wrong with me? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are red-letter words. Blessed are you when men love you and toast you at banquets and call you Pastor Joe and you build a great big church. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. Blessed are you when you have a TV ministry? Blessed are you when you stand in the pulpit and you tell everybody that we don't mix the sacred and the secular here. Blessed, blessed are you when, when you don't get into politics. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. From the words from the guy who, who uh, got involved with politics and it cost him his life. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. Hey, Spencer, what's Revile. God bless you, brother. God bless you. You're going to be reviled then. Because I think revile is just to reproach. You know it's something bad when they have words that you've never heard before. Revile is to reproach, to treat with opprobrious and contemptuous language. Hey, Spencer, what the heck is opprobrious? Reproachful and contemptuous. Scurrilous. Blasted with infamy. Despised. Rendered hateful. Wow. Blessed are you when men treat you with contemptuous language. There's a reward in that. Go back, Spence, to... Matthew 5. Folks, the Holy Spirit's all over me. Blessed are you, women shall revile you and persecute you. And if that's not enough, they're going to say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. Now, if you're a shyster representing the Lord, that's one thing. No reward for you in that, but you, if you are reviled for his sake, great is your reward, baby. How do I know that? What says it, doesn't it? Doesn't it say that for so persecute the prophets which are before you? Where is it? Go back up. Now, is it down? Go down a little bit, Spencer. You know, salt of the earth, salt is a savior. Henceforth, good for none, Be not on men. Your city set on a hill cannot be hid. Men don't light a candle, put it under. Let your light so shine for men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your uh, your fathers in heaven. Think not I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Huh? Be hated of all men. Great is your reward. So, uh, I feel I feel the Spirit He's taking his... He's not pushing his heart on me. We'll back off here a second. The problems in America. The root problem that we have in America is in the pulpit. It is the problem. Why, could, why do I say that? Because the pulpit is the orchestrate orchestra leader. He is the one that directs the band. It's a coaching problem. And we're in the mess we're in because we have been taught a different football. We've been taught flag football rather than contact, full contact football. They're going to hate you. Do you see that, friends? They're going to hate you. Go back there again, Spencer, for the slow readers. These are the words of Jesus. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who is those who are persecuted for standing up for righteousness? Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely because you're standing up for me. Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Because they did it to a bunch of boys before you ever came along. Oh, I ought to hang up and go home. But well, I'm not going to. What do we got going on in Maryland this weekend? Myra, get ready. What's going on? Somebody come in and tell me what's going on in Maryland. there. With that uh, Give some details of where people can find it, how they can get there, reclaiming the land, binding the strongman, spiritual warfare conference. Anybody want to give us some details on when that's going on this, uh, this Saturday? I can do that, Anybody Coach. Do it, please. Thanks.
2: Okay. Yeah. No, uh, Diana and Lori Shockley, you know, they did a great job. We've got some great speakers. John Diamond's coming down.
1: Uh, of
2: course, Steve Hempfield. We have some folks talking about Soul Squad. We have Child Ministry. Uh, you know, I'm doing a thing on uh, taking the offensive. So uh, you can go to Evan Bright. And sign up. It's fifty-five dollars. She needs to know next couple of days because we're going to be for fifty-five bucks, you get lunch and dinner. You can't go out to a restaurant and get lunch and dinner for fifty-five bucks. Amen. And uh, so it's going to start around eight thirty in the morning and go to about eight o'clock at night.
3: And then we also
2: have post conference things that are free, Sunday night and Monday night. So and Steve's actually preaching at the Assembly of God's Church on Sunday. Right there, so it's a big weekend uh, for those that awesome, want to come man. in and do that. Yep, and he's going to be there. You can talk to him. He's got a lot of uh, insight, and he's got a lot of great stories that uh, you know. People that start taking the uh, spiritual authority seriously have results. And they actually Amen. can talk about something that 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 they've seen change. You know, and you even made better yourself when you when you staked your land. You noticed there was a difference.
1: Amen. and hey, you know what? You know what's uh, Craig. I'm claiming the guide stones coming down. I'm claiming we do, we did that. I'm claiming it. Now, well here, we yeah, all well, do, huh?
2: well here's the thing here, coach. When Judas wanted to set Jesus up, they did not want to kill him during the Passover. Jesus at the at the last supper called Judas out and he said, "You go do it quickly." He took them off their game plan. Yeah. And that's what we that's what we did. Whether, whether, whether the New World Order brought those stones down or it was a rod of God, it wasn't their timing.
1: That's right. Those babies are down, aren't they? Those babies are down. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> They're down. And I know this. We, we went and at least pushed them, didn't we? <laughs> we at least gave them a shove. We, we know that we did. And, and can I say this? We were some of the first ones to do it. Others have done it afterwards, but we were one of the first ones. Hey, folks, if you can support that, that spiritual warfare conference, I can't. I can't come. My schedule this week is—it's uh, either a schedule from heaven or a schedule from hell. <laughs> I'm—I'm—I'll I'm know when I get back which which one it was. But praise the Lord. I, I just want to say this. This is personal. I, I want everybody out there to know how much I love my wife. I, I just can't. I just, I just can't tell you. I just can't tell you how much I love her, and how uh, how we're so much stronger in ministry because we're, we're two as one. And I just want I just want to acknowledge that again. She never she never says, "Oh, you're going again. You're going. Oh, you get to go, so and I got to stay home." No, ever, 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 ever comes out of her mouth. It's always it's always how can I make your trip better? I'll be praying for you. You're gonna you're gonna tear down kingdoms. You're gonna do great work. Always, she's a my world's greatest cheerleader. And I just want to publicly say that about her and how much I love her. Hey, hey one man. more thing, Coach. I'm
2: going, be, I'm going to be running my horses Sunday at the uh, church service for the kids. So we're going to have our horses there for the kids and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a great time.
1: Amen. Amen. Myra, pray us in real quick. I always forget about you. I don't know why. Pray us in here, Myra.
3: Yes, Coach, I will be happy to, and I look forward, uh, thanks to Craig and Rusty, to be in uh, that wonderful um, event this coming weekend. It is written, Matthew 22, 37 to 41. Jesus say unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. How much? With all thy soul. With With all. Huh. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ, whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. Jesus, you're welcome to coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. Resurrection power, love, and joy to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You know, the Bible says, Myra, thanks, Myra. You know, the Bible says, I can't think of the scripture. Somebody out there is smarter than me. I was thinking of this as you were praying. Um, see, one the the church is upside down because we love family. And people more than we love the Lord. I credit Matt Tice with pointing that out to me. A lot of you guys are in a you guys are in a spiritual mess in your own house because you love your family more than you love the Lord. And the Lord says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And you don't do that because it will offend your husband, it will offend your brother, it will offend your cousin, it will offend your daughter. And so as a result of it, you are more obedient and more loving to your neighbor than you are to the Lord. this is a harsh teaching this is really really a harsh teaching but the 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 reality of it is when uh, when my children stand before the lord i ain't going to be there with them they're going to stand, stand there on their own and what's going to be what what they're going to carry to that throne is what I imparted in them. And if I would take the seriousness of eternity when dealing with my children and my friends and those I love and speak the truth to them because I care about their soul, a lot of us wouldn't be in the mess that we're in with some of our some of our relationships. That was right from, that's from the throne room, by the way. Okay, now listen. I got some stuff I got to share. But Joe wants to say something, and Dale does. And Alan does go, Joe. Tell isn't us a this, story. Tell us a story, not your life story.
4: It is the true making of the three hundred when you have leaders and pastors to lead their flock out of the church to lead, go against tyranny. Like you, you mean, do.
1: you mean Gideon just didn't just send the boys? You mean he actually he led the boys?
4: Let them out there, just like you. Pastor Bill with Jeff Dale Socia. If you you just sit down, and listen to Dale Sosha to put you into tears.
1: So if friends, ask your, you, ask your pastor why. Ask your pastor why he never leads you out, and he, your his cowardly heart will be exposed.
4: It's amazing. The, it. the, th- the making of the three hundred,
5: Coach. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joe Dale. Well, brother, yesterday on a testimony real quick to edify you also, I'm, I'm working at this job of another home family put out, and my sister called me. She was sick. And of course, she goes, yeah, I had tested. I said, it ain't COVID. I said, it ain't around. And we begin to talk. And I didn't. there was these siding guys on the job. And all of a sudden, I hung up the phone. And One guy goes, I hope you don't mind. I, I was kind of listening. He goes, man, you sound like you know something about this. Brother, yeah. <laughs> brother let me tell you what you know that that just when my foot is in the door I'm like a used vacuum salesman brother we went on and brother by the end because I I, it, I don't want to get in a long testimony it's an incredible testimony by the end of the day the things that I shared with him through the day when he found out it was a pastor it blew his mind he says are you kidding me so when I'm sitting in the house and he's getting ready to leave I, I didn't know he's knocking on the door and I go answer the door I said yeah He goes, can I get your name and number? He goes, let me tell you something. He goes, I've been feeling like I'm the only person out here against the things. And when I showed him the picture of the Georgia Guidestones, I go, you ever hear the Georgia Guidestones? He goes, man, not really. He goes, but yet, didn't they just get blown up? And I showed him that picture of our group out there in front of the Georgia Guidestones. Brother, I gave him your info. I said, let me tell you what. I said, you're not alone. You are not alone. I laid hands on him, coach, weeping and praying. And when I went back inside, the homeowner came to me and said, man, he goes, what just happened? And I looked at him. I said, let me tell you something. I said, the day that what I do in people's homes ceases to be a ministry for me, I'll cease doing the work and move on to something else. And so, brother, Mm -hmm. I gave you your information, and I'm going to follow up because guess where he's working today? Right there, brother. And I'm going to plug him in because this guy needs to be. He is hungering for something he has not been able to find.
1: How can you be a pastor and not alert your people of what's going on around you? Everything going on around us is going to affect us personally. Not only does it affect the kingdom, but if you're in a church and he's not talking about transgenderism and abortion and the lies of Ukraine and some other stuff I'm about to throw on the table here, if you're just sitting around eating whatever he decides he will serve up, why do my people die? Why are my people destroyed? Can somebody help me? My people are destroyed. Why? Who's going to tell them? They tell them stuff they already know. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life.
5: Coach, he heard a man statement when I looked at him and I said this. I said, if Fauci took a bullet in the head, I said I wouldn't shed a tear over it.
1: He looked yeah. at me
5: and said, man, he goes, this conversation is divine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alan, come on in. I got, I got some stuff I got to get to you real quickly. Go ahead, Alan.
6: Hey, Coach, I was just going to say, you know, about them godstones. Dagon has fallen, brother.
1: Uh, they're down. Was, baby.
6: Uh, they're down. Dagon's on the ground. Gone. They're not they're down, brother. Crazy.
1: They are in pieces. They are in pieces,
6: yeah. brother. You know, you think about how that day transpired. I went back and watched that film. My wife did video of that stuff. And everything, Pastor Clint prayed and Randy. I mean, just so Randy, much. It's
1: amazing, wasn't
6: it? It's amazing. Mood, man. And When you go back and think, because I got up in front of the church. When I was <laughs> so jacked up when I was down, man. I got up in front of the church, and I showed all the different stuff, and I was telling them, and my wife stood up and said, hey, you forgot to tell them about what Rand- Brother Randy Lunsford said. I call him Prophet Randy, but she said, hey, remember Randy buried them five stones, and, you know, if it was a boat a lot, and whatever it was, Coach, it disintegrated that one. They was still five things standing, and I yeah. believe that Brother Randy, when he, when he planted those things under that soil, them little rocks was crying out, brother, and those other five had to come down too.
1: How much I'm, I'm Amen. With you. Amen. Hey, listen, I got twenty minutes. I got. I got to get this in. I got to go right after the show. I gotta. I gotta jump on an airplane. I'm gonna. I wanna expose three. Uh, three big lies to you today. Okay. I hope I can do it here in twenty minutes. I'll give you just a taste of it. Okay. Give you just a taste of it. Uh, go to the. Uh, it says abortionist email, Spencer. Abortionist email. See if you can pull that. And it, it's a video. And i, I then here. I'm going to expose three lies that the church has permitted to take place. Uh, that's not Is that it? No, 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 Don't. Don't you have an email that says abortionist on it? I'm not. That's the video. Okay, go ahead and play it then. Eric Comus. This is Dr. I am Dr. Dr. Bernard Dr. Nason. This is Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He was the guy who pushed for abortion, 1973. This is an actual video of Dr. Bernard Nathanson.
0: Listen to this. Go ahead. I am Dr. Bernard N. Nathanson, formerly the director of the largest abortion clinic in the Western world, and I am the last surviving founding member of NARAL, the pro-abortion organization which brought legal abortion to the entire United States. I am personally responsible for over 75,000 abortions. We founded NARAL in the late 1960s with our purpose to export our pro-abortion mentality everywhere. To achieve that end, we adopted the strategy to deny what we knew to be true, that abortion kills an existing living human being. We denied that fact in an effort to mislead the American public and the courts of this land. This was the greatest mistake of my life, and legal abortion was the greatest mistake this nation has ever conceived. This show's in this sea of evil and corruption Bernard and collapse.
1: Nathanson told a lie regarding life. Now, wait a minute. Is there anybody watching this show? Or is there anybody in America that doesn't know that an unborn baby is alive? Hmm. Friends, a mosquito is alive. A fly is alive. A cockroach is alive. How can we be so gullible to believe a lie that a baby in a mother's womb is not alive? I'm not done. It's, it's easy when they get their political machine behind it. Oh, it's so easy. huh? Oh, yeah. Are you ready for another one? Ready for another one? Okay, I'll give you another lie. Let me, hang on, man. I just switched pages. So I lost. Okay, Spencer, pull up for me. Uh, uh, number uh, uh, the one right above abortionist email says Britannica.com. Britannica. You ready for another one? Are you sitting down, boys and girls? Racism, American racism, Black Lives Matter. Are you ready? This is a hey. You can uh, you can Google it yourself. This is right off of Wikipedia. Dahomey. Did anybody ever hear Dahomey? Dahomey. Historical kingdom in Africa. By the way, the Encyclopedia Britannica, not Wikipedia, not Wikipedia. Dahomey it was a kingdom in Western Africa that flourished in the 18th and 19th centuries in the region that is now southern Benin. According to the tradition, at the beginning of the 17th century, what year would that be? Beginning of the 17th century would be the 1600s, would that be? At the 1600s, according to tradition, at the beginning of the 1600s, three brothers vied for the kingdom of Alada, which, like neighboring this other country, had grown rich on slave trade. Uh, no. So, uh, I just want to pause this a second. Uh, anybody have any idea what color these guys might be? I'm black. Uh, on. when, when one of the brothers won, when one of the brothers won control of Alada, the other two fled. One went southeast and founded Porto Nova on the coast of the West Wada. The other, Dogakan, went north to found the kingdom of Ababani, a core of the future Dahomey. They all paid tribute to the powerful Yoruba kingdom of Oye to the east. And though Alakan's grandson, whoever, made him it made it into a powerful state, he succeeded by these other guys on down on down on down, thriving the the countries that the. The enslaved state was called Dahomey, and it thrived on the sale of slaves to the Europeans. The kingdom of Dahomey prospered and acquired new provinces under these kings. Dahomey reached the high point of its power and its fame. Keep on going, keep on going. The kingdom was a form of absolute monarchy. The king, surrounded by a magnific- magnificent group, he covered through centralized bureaucracy. Each male official in the field had a female counterpart at, at, at court who monitored his activities and advised the king, and they conquered terrorists, were assimilated through intermarriage, uniform laws, common tradition, and Dahoma was organized for war and expanded its boundaries, but it took captive slaves. Now, who were they? Who were their slaves, that they took captive? Were they white boys? Were they white boys from upper Arlington, Ohio? No, they took captive slaves. the slaves were sold to Europeans in exchange for weapons or kept to work the royal plantation that supplied food for the army. Black men enslaved other black men and sold them to white men. Now, who's the most evil? One that buys a slave or one that sells a slave? Plenty of blame to go around here, boys and girls. From approximately 1680, a regular census of population was taken as a basis for military conscription. Female soldiers were called Amazons and they served as royal body. Okay, enough. Enough. So, line number two white men did not invent slavery of Negroes. Boom. Encyclopedia. Britannica. They, homie. What's the lie? They have been feeding us for 300 years. None of us are for slavery. But folks, it was a way of life. Wasn't something created by Americans, which is what they want us to do. White guilt, white privilege. Folks, we had black guys enslaving other black guys, and selling them to white guys in exchange for guns and bullets and food, boats. It was a business transaction. And somewhere along the line, white people in America said, hey, dude, that ain't right. That ain't right. We fought a war to end it. And still today, still today, they're blaming us Or slavery. It didn't even come from us. Line number three, and I don't know if he can take this one or not. Spencer, if you would pull up a picture of the dinosaur. Folks, there are no fossils in fossil fuels. Every time you hear the term fossil fuel used by experts, you're being lied to. In 1892, at the Geneva Convention, J.D. Rockefeller paid scientists to call oil fossil fuel to induce the idea of scarcity. The truth is, oil is the second most prevalent liquid on the face of the earth, next to water. And oil regenerates and regenerates within the earth faster than it could ever be depleted. Oil is a natural lubricant of the earth. It ain't dinosaurs. We're not running out of oil. Now, Spence, if you will, bring up right under the gates of hell, ThoughtCo, ThoughtCo. Say, Coach, I didn't know any of this. You didn't? Huh? And you're, and your pastor's standing in the pulpit speaking against racism. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Hey, folks, Christians ended racism. <laughs> slavery. Christians ended slavery. The devil wants to pound us down. So where does oil come from? Does it come from dinosaurs? I, I, just, I just Googled it. I just Googled it. Scroll down, Spence. This is written in 2019. In 1933, the Sinclair Oil Company sponsored a dinosaur exhibit at the World's Fair in Chicago. The premise was that the world's oil reserves were formed during the Mesozoic Era when the dinosaurs lived. So they started the lie in what year? 1933. That oil came from dinosaurs. That's why you remember Sinclair Oil. Remember it was a dinosaur. You remember that Sinclair Oil is a dinosaur. Today's Sinclair oils, they've gone away, but where does oil re- really come from? Uh, tiny bacteria, actually. Not huge dinosaurs formed oil. Scroll down a little bit, Spence. You may be surprised to learn that oil reserves were actually produced by microscopic bacteria, not half-sized dinosaurs. Single-cell bacteria evolved in the Earth's oceans about 3 billion years ago, and pretty much the only life form left. 600 million. Now they're into evolution, right? 600 billion. We get it, right? So, oil is produced by a tiny bacteria, naturally produced by the Earth. When considering this, it's important to try to grasp the concept of deep geological time, a talent possessed by very few people. Try to wrap your mind around the enormity of the figures, talking about all millions and millions of years. Yada yeah. So, does coal come from dinosaurs? Uh, in a way, it's closer to the mark to say that cool, coal rather than oil comes from dinosaurs, but it's still dead wrong. Most of the world's cool deposits were laid down during the Carboniferous period, about 300 million years ago. Huh. There's an important asterisk here, though. It's not inconceivable that some dinosaurs perished in these oil pits that lent themselves to the formation of fossil fuels. So theoretically, a tiny portion of the world's oil, world's oil could be coal. and yeah, It could be. You just have to bear in mind that the contribution of dinosaurs to our fossil fuel reserves is orders of magnitude smaller than that of a bacteria in plants. Yes, some dinosaurs are discovered near oil deposits. That's all well and good. There are two ways to answer the question, why do we find dinosaurs there? Well, first, the carcasses of any animal that has been compressed into oil, or coal, or natural gas wouldn't leave in an, any identifiable fossil. It would be entirely converted to fuel, skeleton and all. And second, if the remains of the dinosaur happened to be discovered in the rocks, adjoining or covering an oil or coal field, that simply means the unfortunate creature fell in there and got crushed and drowned, stayed there forever. Dinosaurs, fossils do not create oil. You understand the magnitude of that? Come on in, Mark.
4: On lie number two, Coach, whenever blacks are enslaving blacks, I want to understand how reparations work. <laughs> All right, the other thing is the oil. All right, the Keystone Pipeline, y'all heard about that being canceled. What's the big deal there? Well, let me tell you what's going on up in Canada. Up in Alberta, Canada, the oil bubbles out of the sand. (laughs) Bubbles out of the sand. All the oil workers are working in knee-deep sand and oil. Is oil (laughs) poisonous to the environment? No. No. We work it it all day long, it doesn't become poisonous until man refines it, puts all the chemicals in it, and turns it into poison. It's not a harmful substance. But the oil sands in Canada are bubbling so much oil, that the, one company that I worked with made themselves 500 uh, million barrels a day the biggest oil producer basically on the north america 500 million barrels a day bubbling out of the sands the keystone pipeline is a natural gas coming off of it <laughs> we can't even have the gas coach
1: <laughs> <laughs> so listen spencer pull up the picture of the spider web cuz i talked about this a couple of days ago
4: I'm sorry. It's ha- it's a half million barrels a day. A half million barrels a day. Half I got my numbers wrong.
1: Half million, folks. There's a spider web. I spoke about it the other day on the show. I don't care where you start. You can get to the middle. You see this? It's fascinating to see how a spider web is put together. But I don't care where you land. You can get to the center. World Wide Web, energy, power, thoughts, interconnectedness, everything interconnected. Now, wait a minute. Show the other picture, Spence. Look at that picture. Look at the interconnectedness of the universe. Sight and sound and waves and ocean slapping and making noise, the sun blaring down. Radios playing, cars honking, the interconnectedness of all of this. All of these waves are constantly out there. We just pick up certain frequencies. Amen. And that's why the Lord himself said, my sheep don't pick up every frequency. And he also said this, that if you're not, if you're a natural man and you're not born again of the Spirit of God, you can't pick up the God frequency. You're hearing all those other ones. Oh, right there, there's Tucker Carlson. There's Rush Limbaugh. So he's dead. Oh, yeah, but his recordings are still out there. There's Glenn Beck. Why, there's Donald Trump. And isn't it amazing? Everybody can hear them. Wow. It's powerful, isn't it, folks? For us to understand that this this realm, this world, whatever this thing is that we live in, is totally and completely interconnected. But the Lord said this, Oh, thank woo, I got a goosebump. The Lord said to me and to you, He was giving us the keys to the kingdom. There's a kingdom message there, folks. We just don't know where it is. But when he gave us the keys to the kingdom, we can unlock it now. We can unlock it. We can turn the frequency, and we can hear, and it'll cut through all these lies, all this other crap. It'll cut through it. This professor said this, and this analyst said this, and this elected official said this, and this scientist said this. We cut through all that cr- crap. We have the keys to the kingdom, and the keys of the kingdom unlock truth.
0: Ooh.
3: Amen. What, Amen. Else
1: have they what else have they lied to us about, friends? What else? Because the Bible tells us that we shall know the truth. And it's the truth. If we know it. My sheep hear my voice. And another voice they will not hear. If we are tuned to that voice... We hear. But if you're not born again of the Spirit of God, you ain't got the transmitter. You can't pick up the waves. It's impossible. It's trying to listen to your favorite radio station on a CB radio. You can't do it. Amen. Are they, are they talking about that in your church? Are you hearing that from your pastor? Is he explaining to you the natural, supernatural universe? And God, Mark Trump taught me this. God spoke. Boom, something happened. There was power. God's still speaking today. We're just not hearing it. It's caught up in all this other stuff. All this other stuff that's flying around us. I'm sitting here right now. i got light, I got light waves coming in here. I've got a dehumidifier over here. I can hear it humming. I hear a fan back here blowing. And if I, if I tried to, like right now, I'm going to focus in. All of you out there, I don't know if you can. See if you can focus in. See if you can hear the fan. Can anybody hear the fan? Microphone may not be strong enough. But that fan's going all the time. You're just not hearing it. Wow. Lord, guide us into all truth. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.